0: Number two this evening. Acts chapter number two is where we will be. Acts chapter number two. What? Is a lizard in here. There's a little lizard in the church tonight. It's one more in the attendance tonight, so. There's so many people in the lizard. So if a lizard's near your foot tonight, have fun with that. How'd the lizard get in here? Who knows? I remember when we lived in the house right here. Do you guys ever get lizards in the house over there? I don't know where they come in. But I remember the first time I thought Caroline, I thought one of the kids had died or something. And <gasps> she's like, and I'm like, what happened? I run into the room. There's a lizard. Really a lizard. You know, a snake, okay. A black widow spider, sure, okay. A lizard, what is a lizard going to do? Just a little guy he eats the bugs. Lizards are okay. And so, scared me to death. I'll never forget that. But, thank God it was nothing more than just a lizard. And so, tonight, hopefully, did anyone not get a handout? And you want a handout tonight for the message? If you want one, I think everyone's got one that wants one. Say, Pastor, it's 6.32. I know, that's, we don't have a clock in here, so you won't notice those things. But I guess people still keep an eye on all those things. Joe, I'm going to put a different slide up on the screen for a second, and then you can go back to there when I'm done with this slide, okay? We look at our country today, and the decline of religion from 2007 to 2019... You'll look at the very top, there are five countries where religion has climbed just a little bit. But you'll notice the most drastic shift away from religion. This was a Presbyterian study that was done, even so that's not even, who knows where you want to call that, where you go deep into it. You look at India, Bulgaria, Moldova, Russia, and New Zealand the only four or major five that grew a little bit in their religion. The most drastic shift away is the United States. By far. The next closest would be Chile and Australia. And you see, you can go back to our slides that we'll be at tonight. We look at our world today and we look at our country and there's a decline of christianity happening amongst us today when i see that statistic and i see those things and that was two years ago that was pre-covid i think it's even worse now and don't don't get me started there People can claim all day they couldn't go to church and things, but today there were thousands of sanctuaries filled with 75,000 people to worship a football. And churches were called super COVID spreader events, huh? Not 75,000 people hollering and screaming over a pigskin. Just a thought right there. You say, Pastor, do you like football? I do like football. But I've also been in church, and I didn't stop going to church. We look at it, and one of the things that's hard to see as well is that those under the age of 35, they're turning even further away from God today and religion. And so you kind of look around us today, and you say, what can we do? How can we do what God's called us to do in this day and age where everything seems to be on the decline religiously and all of that good stuff what did the disciples do in their day I think sometimes we think it's so bad today in our world and people don't want to get saved and people don't want the things of God people are against everything religiously how was it in in Jesus day they just hung you on a cross if they didn't like your religious views right They beat you and told you not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. That happened to any of us this last week? So I think sometimes we look and we look at the state of things and say, how can we, how can the church, how can we as Victory Baptist Church in our 51st year of existence, and I got, you got to understand some things tonight. It is different in 2021 than what it was in 1970 when the church started. Those of you, I wasn't alive in 1970, so I can't tell you what the world was like then. But those of you who were alive in 1970, is the world a different place today than what it was in 1970? I'll tell you this, the world's a different place today than what it was in the 90s. I remember those as a kid. I'll tell you this, the world's a completely different place today than what it was in 2001. The world's a different place than what it was 10 years ago. And it's going further and further and further in the wrong direction. As we think on those things, and as we go into the message tonight, my mind goes back to the early Christians and what they did. They started from scratch, really. Their leader Died on a cross. They were hidden in an upper room for three days. Their leader rose again, and praise God that Jesus rose again. And There should have been an amen right there. That's a good spot for an amen. That Jesus rose again. Because if he didn't rise again, he's in vain tonight. Just think about that one. But what did they do? How did they reach a godless world? 2,000 years ago. What can we do today to better reach our city? Our county? Our state? You know, that you always hear that old saying, as the state of California goes, so goes the rest of the United States. You hear that. So maybe if california could get on fire for god maybe that could spread to other states wouldn't that be a nice thing i think that'd be a nice thing how did they do it Two thousand years ago what are what's the pattern what can we see i want to talk about this tonight the book of acts acts chapter number two we're taking a break from romans i love romans we'll be back in romans next week lord willing and we're going to continue verse 29 and 30 next week. I didn't finish up the last sermon from two weeks ago. Last week we were in the park. How many of you enjoyed being at the park last week? I enjoyed that. I actually I was so nervous doing that service out there. Say why? So I got there early, and I'm thankful Victoria and the boys, her and Isaiah, went out there and sat at that table to give us that awning. They sat there for a while. I got there first. And some of those guys that were playing, um, what's that game they were playing there? They were were throwing the ball against the handball, whatever it's called. A couple of them were out there. I'm sitting under the overhang. They come up, hey, man, you want a beer? I know, I'm good, I'm good. And uh, then I think it's pretty funny a little bit later, I'm preaching right there. The looks on some, you didn't get to see the looks on their faces when I was preaching. And I got a little loud so they could just hear it a little bit better. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed being at the park, singing at the park and all those things. I think we should plan to go to every major park in our city and have a service there when other people are around just to let them hear about the goodness of God. I think we're going to arrange that. I think we're going to do it. And so I think it was good. I enjoyed it. I was nervous, though. I was out of my element. This is my element right here. Out there, that was not my element. That was something outside for me. And uh, most of you loved it. It was an 8-minute, 45-second message. Like, we'll go to the park any week if you preach for 8 minutes, 45 seconds, because we're already at that right now, and I haven't even given you point number one. But as we look here at Acts tonight, we look at Acts chapter number 2, I want you to see a few verses, and we're going to unpack the attitude that the early church had and see how we can apply it to our lives tonight and how we can help our church in the next few years go forward for God and what we need to do. And it's important. We see Acts chapter number 2, verse number 44. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. All the people. Do you see that there? This isn't an exaggeration in the word of God. They had favor with all the people. It didn't last very long, but for a moment they did. And the Lord added to the church daily such As should be saved. Tonight, I want to unpack their attitude and the effect the early church had on the godless culture around them. Not much different than what we have today. I want you to see some things tonight that will help us. Number one, and as we look at these things, the title of my message as we look here tonight is Together is Better. Number one, as we dive in, we see, and uh, there should be a number one before that. Isn't there a number one before that? That's the first notes on there? There should be number one, gather together. Is there a gather together? That's not on the screen. So number one in your outline there, in Roman number one, gather together. Don't know what happened with that there, but that's okay. We, we could go back to the days like they did in the Bible. They didn't have screens to write notes down on, Right? They didn't even take notes. I don't know what they did. Maybe they etched it in stone. I don't know what they did. But you look at verse 44, it says, And all that believed were together. They were together because every believer knew they belonged to one another and with one another. The phrase there, were together, is in the imperfect tense. Meaning they made it a practice of gathering together with God's people. That's what we see. And so it's similar to what Acts 4 32 tells us. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Have you ever been tempted, and you can keep this to yourself or you can think, don't think it out loud too loud, but have you ever been tempted to neglect gathering together with God's people? Sometimes you'll see people that were gathering with God's people and they get to the point in their life where they no longer gather with God's and we stop and we think about that. There's one thing I've learned in ministry to this point is, if you unplug, you will unravel. you got to stay plugged in. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24 and 25, and let us consider one another to provoke, and we're supposed to provoke unto love and to good works, not for forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some, as some people do forsake the gathering of God's people. That's what they, that's their manner. But we're not supposed to do that. We are supposed to consider, you, this is what you got to realize tonight, you are on an island by yourself. We are just consider one another. How many one another's did Jesus mention in his ministry? We're to love one. We can go through a list of them, right? But you gotta understand, Christianity is not about self. It's about considering one another. That's why let me give you a little thought. I'm not gonna park here long. Some of you ladies tonight, you're debating should I go, should I not go to the ladies' thing? Spot of tea? No, not a spot of tea. Coffee. Coffee. For a coffee break. That's what it is. Coffee break. Only you would come up with something like that. Coffee break. Pastor, I just don't want to. You're to consider one another. To help each other to love and good work. When you came to church this morning or tonight, when you came and ate dinner, I know some people were just thinking, it's tacos. Duh, I'm going to be there. And I know some people skipped because it was tacos. I don't know what's wrong with them. I just don't get that one. Tacos, tacos are good. But I didn't come to eat tacos, I came to fellowship i don't think there's one person there could be someone in here but i think i made my way around to every single table and talked to everybody that was here tonight because that's what church is about not me looking at me but me considering one another and helping provoke not anger and sometimes that happens with some people but we'll leave that out tonight but we're supposed to be provoking to do the right things that's why we gather together it's not just about you tonight it's about all those people that you could help minister to so when you miss when you're not a part of what God has going on you gotta understand something You've you got to understand, there are two reasons why we neglect gathering with God's people. Be it, sometimes with church, and I know sometimes with work schedules, things like that, I get that. I'm, and other times, you know, but like, ladies, Friday you're just sitting at home doing nothing, Friday night, you should come. I encourage you. I exhort you that you should come. Encourage, yeah. Well, this is what happens. Two reasons why we may be tempted to to neglect gathering with people. The first one is this. Number one, you forget what you bring to the group. You and I have the responsibility to stir up and to provoke other believers to greater love and greater things in the Lord. The simple fact is we cannot do that. If we don't gather together, you have a gift to bring. There is something that you bring to the table that you bring to this body that someone else cannot bring. So when you don't come and when you forsake that, you forget about what you bring to the table. Secondly, you forget what you need. Just as you are gifted to help others, others are gifted to help and encourage you. I do not believe a Christian can be complete without having a church that they gather with. God didn't design Christians to be isolated by themselves the early Christians that did isolate because of persecution got people to the Lord, and then they had people together with. That's how God designed it to be. Christians don't, you think about this, it is so important to be together. Being in church together is important. Our world doesn't get that. Our government doesn't see it. But we need it in Christianity today. We're called to it. Don't ever forget that. And we talk about being better together, that begins by gathering together. That's where it begins. And in verse 47, let me help you out as well. You see, when the believers gathered together, they didn't just hang out with one another at their house and watch a ball game. I'm not against those things. They praised God and worshipped Him and went house to house and did these things. And as we look at this, I want you to understand something. We need to gather together. How are you doing in your commitment to gather together with God's people? When we gather together, and we are provoking one another to do what we're supposed to do, it leads to point number two. We go from, do you have point number two? You do have number two. We grow together. You will not grow together till you gather together. That's one of the things that really scares me for a Christian the past year and a half. There are a lot of Christians that step foot in a church in a year and a half yet they will go to a grocery store, yet they go to a restaurant, they'll do all things. And that's, sometimes, there's sometimes I just gotta get off Facebook and things, because I see people that used to come to our church in a year and a half, haven't seen them once, but they can go eat at a restaurant with tons of people everywhere. And my prayer is, maybe they just didn't like me anymore, and I don't like myself half the time anyways. And I pray they're going to a good church somewhere. Because this is the thing, you gotta gather we encourage one another and help one another grow. So as we look here at number 2, we see this, this thing of grow together. Look at verse 46. We see these new believers, they were committed, and it says, and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. You notice this wasn't once in a while. They did it every day. How would you like to come to church every day? They did it. We're not going to start having church every day, but I'm just telling you. Bible just says when you, that not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So for us, we gather together three times a week. So if you're able to, I would come at those times. If there's other times, you can come to the ladies. Th- and this is the thing. There's going to be things in life, and you've got family. You've got to try and balance all that stuff. And there's times where you might have to cut out an extracurricular thing with the church because you need family time or you got to do something and that's under you need that at times but do your best to be faithful and to grow and to do those things that god's called us to do and you notice it wasn't once in a while it was all the time day by day the idea of doing it over and over you see it says there and they continue daily in the temple uh, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house as we look at those things, they continued steadfastly. You go up to verse number um, 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. They grew together. Rarely do things just happen on their own. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be both glory now and forever. Amen. And as we look at this and we think about this, that's why it's so important to gather together, grow together. That's why I like to hear that Johnette's starting that lady's Bible study back up. Because I think that's a great opportunity there are some older ladies that maybe they can't come to church very often, when they do so at 10 o'clock on whatever morning that is, that is a great time for them to be able to grow together in the Word of God. That's why it's important to have your kids involved in one of the clubs that they're in, the kids club or in kids ministry on Sunday mornings. Find a spot. When the men have a men's meeting, go to it. Grow together. When there's a family thing, go to the family thing. They're meant to help grow and to tool things together. This ladies thing is not just so that we can mark off the calendar and say, the ladies had their thing. No. It's let's take some special time you don't get it often, just to talk about ladies stuff. Their cares and concerns. Hear a different perspective about it. Not hear this voice for an hour, but hear a lady talk to you about that stuff. And show you something. That's what it's about. And we're to grow together. And so we look tonight, we're together, together. We're to grow together. Number three, I knew you were probably going to think this was going to get in there somewhere. We're to give together. You look at verse 44 and 45 again, and we're going to get through these things real quick tonight. It says in verse 44... And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And then as you look at that, that phrase there where it talks about as every man had need, it's an imperfect, they kept on doing it. To have in common, that's the word related to fellowship. This was not a me church. This was a we church someone in the body has a problem we help our fellow christian this was not socialism or communism the start of it there are some people who would try to take these verses and say that that's what it is it has nothing to do with that these people freely of themselves gave to help a fellow member of their body it was not forced upon or anything of that nature. And I could go down a whole road of all of that, and I'm not going to go there tonight. But as we look at this, and when we look at these things, you've got to uh, understand something. This was not, and when we look at this, these people still own their homes. We could go through a lot of things here to look at all these different things. But what I want you to notice is they cared enough about others that they were willing to give and to help a practical thought tonight as we round to the finish line tonight. A lot of times when we talk about things, we talk about it as mine. That's my house. Do you know a good way to live? Would be to say, that's God's house. That's my house money it's God's money it's my car no it's God's car he owns it all and it's a good day in the life of the believer when we get to realize the fact that it all belongs to him hey, these are not my eyes to look at what I want to look at with these eyes. These are his eyes. So there's things these eyes shouldn't do. These hands are not my hands to do as I please with. They're God's hands to do things to bring honor and glory to him. That's a powerful way to learn to live. And when we look here and we see that these people, they gave and did these things, I, um, I read the story about these hunters in Africa and how they used to catch monkeys with a simple, effective trap. So this is what they would do. They would take a hallowed-out gourd and drill a hole in it just large enough to put an orange inside. The gourd was then attached securely to the tree trunk. When a monkey reached inside to get the orange, he couldn't get it out of the hole. The monkey had to make a choice. He could let go of the orange and pull his hand out and be free, or hold on to the orange and be captured. Many people today are holding on to things that have them trapped, like the monkey with the orange. And here's the principle. What you own owns you. Will you let go of the thing that's trapping you? When I look at this passage and I see these people and the things that they do, I just want to give you a few thoughts about giving, and then we'll move on to our last point tonight. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 7, but this I say, he that soweth, or it says, according to, Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And when we look at this verse, when we think about this verse, there's just a few thoughts I wanted to give you when it comes to these things. There's also the verse right before that that says, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. A couple thoughts when it comes to giving that I want to give you as we talk about them giving together. Letter A, Give thoughtfully. Say, what do you mean? Giving should be a deliberate decision based on prayer and God's leading. Give thoughtfully. Letter B, give enthusiastically. Paul warns us not to give out of reluctance. Give enthusiastically another thought on giving tonight give voluntarily let me just give you a little thought here if you ever feel pressured to give to our church I've done something wrong in my preaching and my teaching you shouldn't feel pressured we believe in giving and you should but that's a matter between you and God and you should never be guilted into it, because God loves a cheerful giver. We're going to look at that, give number four, or letter D, give cheerfully. The word cheerful here comes from the Greek word hilarious. or Hilarious, get it? God wants us to be joyful in our giving. And you know something that I've noticed? Some of the most joyful Christians I know are the givers i think it just goes hand in hand i really do give cheerfully we should give we should give our tithes and offerings to the lord each and every one of us the pastor anyone else in the room you should be giving your tithes and offerings to the lord and if you're not you need to talk to god and get right with him and apologize to him on that one I think he sets the bar sets the standard you say well pastor the tithe is never mentioned in the new testament okay then let's talk about grace giving i think that goes even above and beyond the tithe when's the last time you gave so a missionary to get the gospel somewhere you had your starbucks today didn't you that's five bucks for a coffee you could have given to a missionary You say pastor why would you mention starbucks because i give them every once in a while too i was preaching myself right there I wasn't preaching at you. If you felt convicted, that's the Holy Spirit working on you. That's not my problem tonight. But we need, we need to give. We need to give to missionaries. We need to help one another when there's moments when we can. And that's where the prayer and looking into it. But we see the early church, how did they do the work of God? Gathered together. They grew together. They gave together. And then they go, number four, together. The last part of verse 47 says, And having favor with all the people the Lord add daily to the church, such as should be saved. The word favor means grace, gratitude, and pleasure. You notice it's all the people found these first followers of Christ to be favorable. It reminds me of what it says about Jesus, as Jesus grew and in increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And when we look up and we think about that phrase, it just that in favor, meaning that the followers were looked at favorably. At least in the beginning. It didn't take long for the persecution to come. But when I say go together, what do I mean? You're going to hear a lot of this over this next year. There is one area that God is just ripping me to shreds that our church is lacking in because of covid this point and it's done if god works on my heart it's going to change you say well maybe god's just working on your heart then i will do it myself but i don't believe it's a brian thing i believe it's a god thing and an important thing for the church we have got to do a better job of going out and reaching the lost in our community and you're going to hear a lot about that till you're sick of hearing it or until you do something about it. I believe that God puts his pastors in a church for a reason. I believe that... I thank God for his calling. There's nothing, there's nothing more special about me than any person sitting in this room. I'm thankful for God's calling and I'm grateful for his call. But I believe that God puts a pastor in a church to help guide that church to do what he wants done in that church. And you cannot tell me that it is not God's will for us to reach this community. How many churches go out and reach this community around us? There's not that many. There are some that do, and I thank God for them. But we need to be a better witness. We need to go. It begins with gathering together, growing together, giving together, and then we go together and get the gospel to those around us. I want to encourage you tonight, as I close out tonight, To reach out to those around you. Hey, you got neighbors that live right around you. Do they know you're a Christian? Say, well, if I preach the gospel to them, they're not going to listen to me. So bake them some cookies and give them a gospel track. Start there. Have a little barbecue in your neighborhood and invite any of your neighbors to come to sit out on the grass and just tell them about Jesus a little bit. We're going to have our fall festival coming up. It's going to be the biggest one we've had yet. Middle of October. Why? To get the gospel out. We have an outreach near Thanksgiving coming up. What is it for? To get the gospel out. We need to go. We need to tell others about what Christ has done. If a church isn't doing those things, is a church doing what God's called a church to do god's called the church to be a witness and if we're being honest it's one of the areas we fail in right now but it's not going to stay that way and if it means me by myself then it's going to be me by myself we got to witness and tell others about the lord we got one life to live every day that passes is one day less as we look at the word of god I read the end there. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. That's what I want for our church over this next year. Just those couple things. That we're praising God. That we're getting the word out. And the Lord's adding to the church who should be saved. We don't win anybody. He does. You see that right there. They just went. The Lord added to the church. Hey, if we go and no one comes to church or gets added to the church through it, that's not what it's about. It's about us sowing the seed and being obedient to God and His word. You say, what can we do in this godless society? What the early church did. Gather together. Consider one another and encourage one another to do the work of God. As we gather together, grow together. And I hope that you're growing. You know, it encouraged my heart to hear Mark talk about the growth in their life. In all honesty, let's just throw this out there. If I wasn't in a church where I was growing spiritually, I would go find a new church to grow spiritually. I don't care if I thought the pastor was the nice guy and I might like the church and the pastor's wife could be the greatest person in the whole world. If I'm not spiritually being fed and growing, that's not the church I should be in. That's truth right there. You need to be where you're being fed and where you grow. That's important. And as you grow, you give to God. Some of you are really not even part of the team because you've never given anything. You've never given of your time to God. You never have given nothing. Why don't you join the team? And when you give of yourself, it makes it a little easier to go in to tell everybody about the Lord. There's an order to all of it. You gather, you grow, you give, and you go. The four G's forget the 4G's. I know it's 5G network nowadays, but I gave you the 4G. We're a little old school still around here. We're a little old fashioned in that. Father, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for all